coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. One of the flaws of hiring people is that we look for the exact person in our mind that had the exact qualifications. Well, if you hire the exact person that you're looking for, that like to replace the exact person, you're not growing as an organization. And we have to, as leaders, we have to look for those opportunities to find people who can think differently and activate different parts of our minds. Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spherical Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience. Welcome inside our podcast studio in the south end of Charlotte. This is The Hive Life, and I'm Jared Latch alongside Tim Bear. Our guest on this episode of The Hive Life is Andy Siegel. We go way back in, uh, into our much more youthful days. Uh, that's how I can put it. And we're reunited here in Charlotte. Andy, currently the head of internal brand experience at TIAA. And Andy, honored to have you finally accept our invite to come here on The Hive Life. I'm thankful for having me. It's, it's funny. We go way back, but you look the same. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're putting in your moisturizer, but you haven't aged, which is incredibly frustrating for everyone that knows you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I don't know how long that's going to last. I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread. Keep having that, kids. That's at least what I feel yeah. like. Uh, so let's start with your background. I want you to give our listeners a quick summary of, of where you grew up. What started you down the road of, of TV and regional sports? Because that was really your entry point into your professional career. I, um, I grew up in uh, the suburbs of Philadelphia, wanting to be uh, a sportscaster. And uh, went to the University of Maryland with that goal in mind. And, and started, really loved the production end of it and being kind of behind the scenes. And so I got my first job. Um, at the George Michael Sports Machine, which nice. was a legendary outfit. I applied um, for an internship there one time. You I did. actually passed on it. Yeah, but that's how I saw that in your background. It's pretty cool. Uh, amazing experience. And, and uh, George ended up hiring me right out of school, um, which was the best thing for an obnoxious, cocky 22-year-old to work for a legend because there was no room for error. There was no oh, sorry, I'm two minutes late. There was no, like, sorry, I had a typo. Like, the expectations were through the roof. He was the premier local sportscaster in the country, had his own national show, everybody knew him, and there was no, you know, I was the lowest of low on the totem pole, and I, but I needed that. Because as you guys know, you know, you go to college, everybody's editor their high school newspaper, and everybody's running things in college, and then you get, you know, you, you think you're, you know, Hot stuff. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, you're nothing. Like your boss makes a million dollars in 1999. Like you got <laughs> nothing, dude. Like you will print those scripts and they will be separated perfectly. So um, I worked there for about a year and then uh, uh, Comcast Sportsnet in Philadelphia came calling for an amazing opportunity to produce classic shows like rewinds of old games and Phillies and, you know, Flyers and Sixers and we couldn't do Eagles <laughs> for NFL rights. But, you know, classic games, and some documentaries there and Ended up staying there for about five years and launched uh, a Phillies magazine show and traveled, did amazing things with my hometown teams. But um, I always had that itch to be on the air and had uh, just gotten married and, and realized I'm going to blink and I'm going to be 40. And I'm going to look back and go, if I don't try it, I'll regret it. And I didn't want to have that regret. And, and that's how I ended up at WTAJ in Altoona, Pennsylvania, where, where Jared and I met. Um, which was an incredible experience. You know, I went from literally like covering the Phillies, the owner knew me, players, the Eagles knew me, and now I'm like 
covering like Tyrone Bellwood Antis, you know, and like <laughs> shooting each other's standups. It was like humbling, but it was the right kind of humbling because I knew what I was getting myself into because I was there for a reason. I wanted to grow and learn and see if this was the right calling for me. Um, I, I realized it wasn't. Um, not that I didn't think I was good at it, but I, I remember the day realizing I'm having more fun behind the scenes than I was in front of the camera. And so um, I went back to Comcast Sports at this time in Washington, D.C., which later became NBC Sports Washington, uh, and launched uh, Washington Post Live with the writers from the Washington Post, uh, not Tony and Mike, <laughs> everyone <laughs> the else. The only two. <laughs> everyone, everyone else. Um, but uh, did some amazing things. Um, there launched a show, an on-site show with the Redskins and ended up being the uh, executive producer of studio programming up there for many years. Um, had about nine shows that I was overseeing and, and a staff of 40 or so. It was uh, pretty wonderful to be up there. And uh, at the same time, I was teaching journalism at the University of Maryland, which was a great, you know, my alma mater. And it was super cool to, um, I don't know, to think of the field at, at the basic level. You know, you live it every day, but you're trying to explain to someone who's a journalism student why you did this and how you did it, as opposed to just doing it, which becomes nature. Um, and then literally I was found on LinkedIn by this startup, ACC Digital Network, that was uh, like, hey, we're looking for someone to run our operation in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was like, I'm not moving to no Charlotte, North Carolina. Like, I'm a Philadelphia kid. Like. The farthest south I go is like Northern Virginia, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then the more they talked about what it was and, and how they were gonna run it, um, it seemed like the right time and the right fit for me and my family. Um, and bluntly, I, <laughs> I said, well, make me an offer I can't refuse, and they did. And so here we are nine years later. So I was there for about five years, um, and, um, and, uh, that network took a, a major turn, a major, major pivot, and had some, some layoffs. And I was, uh, myself and I think eight others were, were part of that. Um, and then I bounced around with some different contract work, uh, started my own content consultancy for a short while. And then um, in late 2017, a TIAA opened a content uh, center of excellence. And they were looking for some, believe it or not, they were looking for someone who did not have financial services or marketing background. They wanted someone who thought differently. They wanted a storyteller. And uh, I was very fortunate to get through the interview process for a job that I didn't know if I had any of the qualifications <laughs> for. And um, I started there three years ago. And then last year, I moved into this role on the brand team, helping our brand kind of explode internally. Um, we're a great organization with, with great stories to tell. And uh, uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind. I'm, I'm listening going, wow, I've taken an hour and a half to explain, but it's, it's, a, it's, been, an, it's been an interesting road, but uh, I'm happy and unfortunately, like you guys, uh, healthy and happy to be here. I think the, uh, the thing that's cool, I can remember, I mean, I've known you now since you came to Charlotte. We got to uh, know each other pretty well. And I remember you making that transition to TIA. And at the time we were working with them and I was like, oh, I don't know if he's going to like that. He's coming from the sports land. It's like exciting. It's different. And to see how you have totally adapted and taken it on and like raised the flag and run with it, it's one of the coolest things to see. And I think um, it's a lesson for a lot of people that, you know, you don't have to be stuck in what you've done. You could do something new and use all the talents that you gained over those years and be great at it. So, so from that standpoint, I love, I love seeing that. I mean, how has that transition been for you, you know, from the excitement of sports to 
sort of what is considered corporate, but mm-hmm. you guys still have exciting times. Uh, it's, it's very kind of you to say, and um, I will say the other part of that is, is not just putting yourself out there to try other things, it's having the foresight to embrace that people don't come from the standard background and work. And you guys are a great example of that, that you weren't video production studio agency heads, you were journalists, you were storytellers at your core. And one of the flaws of hiring people is that we look for the exact person in our mind that had the exact qualifications. Well, if you desire the exact person that you're looking for, that like to replace the exact person, you're not growing as an organization. And we have to, as leaders, we have to look for those opportunities to find people who can think differently and activate different parts of our minds. Um, and I've been very fortunate that they've embraced it. Not everybody has. Some people are like, you don't know what this is. I'm like, no, why, why would I know what like, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, different types of annuities are. <laughs> right. Like, That's not my world. I yeah. was like, I was sitting courtside at the ACC tournament like seven minutes ago. You know? there, there's no annuity ads. Not, not there only that, not only that but you probably weren't making enough money at the time to worry about annuities. No. So. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like target date fund. I'm like, sure. Is that like some kind of food that you pay with it? You go buy at Target to buy dates, and then you put it in your like, you, like I had no idea. So it's been a learning curve, um, and uh, it's been a, a. I think part of it has been humbling in that. You have to put yourself in a position to say, I don't know this, and it's okay that I don't know this. And I'm okay to say, listen, I'm new. I didn't go to business school. I don't have 20 years here. But I'm going to ask the question because that's how I can do my job best and how we can be a better team and, and help those who we're supposed to be helping. And, and it's, uh, it takes guts, it's it's, to be honest. Um, thank you. I, sometimes, you know, it's, it's mortifying at others because you see yeah. some of the eye rolls. Um, and, and fortunately, uh, the majority of people that I work with, the overwhelming majority of people are like wonderful and patient and understanding. Um, and we're a very mission-driven company. And we want to help people. We want people in the higher ed sector and help nonprofit healthcare. And, um, you know, if you're okay saying to someone, hey, can you explain this to me? What's the Denzel Washington line from Philadelphia? Explain it to me like I'm a Mm five-year-old. Like, yeah, you got to explain to me how an annuity works because I don't know. And I, you, you know, you hit Google and oh, by the way, corporate America, way too many acronyms. So I'm like Googling. It's like, is this our term or is this an industry term? That's where I term? thought you were going. I was hoping you're going to throw some acronyms at us oh in terms gosh. of the things you didn't know, what you don't know what they are. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, there's a marketing term that I'm sure all of your listeners know, like the funnel, right? The marketing funnel. Right. So on my first couple of weeks, I'm being introduced to people and they're like, oh, Andy's going to do brand content. It's like top of funnel. I'm like, that's right. I'm top of the funnel. And so I'm walking with this colleague of mine. I was like, you keep telling people I'm top of funnel. <laughs> what do you mean by that? And she's like, well, the marketing funnel. And I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I can text with like the pit football coach, right? Like, but I don't know the marketing funnel. And we sat down. And she was wonderful, and, and we're and, and we're friends today, uh, and still back. Well, actually, we weren't on the same team. Now we're back on the same team, and we still joke about like the funnel conversation. I'll text her hashtag funnel. Like, but you have to be willing to ask and learn. Otherwise, you're not going to grow. And at the reverse of that is you have to be willing to accept that not everybody knows what you know. Not everybody has your background. And if we elevate everybody as a team, we're going to win. 
That's how it's gone. That's the, I, I like that because there's a vulnerable piece to that when you're in any conversation. And, and we're in rooms all the time where they throw something out there, whether it's an acronym or something else, and you don't know what it is. A lot of times people just stay silent. Somebody speaks up and like five other people didn't understand it either. Uh, what you made me think of, though, is I think we all come sort of from the same school of say yes and figure it out. I think we've probably done that throughout our careers. How many times did you see that coming into play? Because you've made a lot of different transitions where you remember certain times where you had to say yes and figure it out. I don't know. You're moving from Comcast, then you're going to the ACC Digital Network. These are all different things that do use your skill set, like Tim said, but it's a different ball game, wasn't it? It's funny. I think circumstances dictate your comfort level, right? When, when you're starting Spherical, it's kind of like, oh, sure, of course we can do that. And you're like <laughs> grabbing duct tape and you're holding Tim things together. Tim used to do that to me all the time. You know? He would say, yes, we, I'm thinking to, we, we don't do that. We can't do that. <laughs> but there's a point where you reach like a comfort level with what you know you're able to do and you're no longer kind of throwing out the nonsense. You're actually able to do the things and feel comfortable enough to ask. Fake it till you make uh, it. Fake it till you make it, right? And, and sometimes that's a skill and uh, you know, it depends on where you are in your life. You know, like you don't, you know, like we all have egos, you know, you don't want to look like an idiot. You want to look like a strategic and tactical thinker, you know, <laughs> like when you say this, I want, will you explain it in your words so I can understand, make sure that we're hearing it the, same, the same way, page. right? <laughs> right. Let's circle back on that. Cause I want to make sure that what I'm hearing you say is the same way that you're saying, um, I'll give you a great example. Somebody was talking about an MVP. And I was like, sports, MVP, most valuable player. They're talking about a minimum viable product. product. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, it's like, we just got to, you know, get started on this and bang out an MVP. I'm like, that's right. We're going to dominate. And he's like, what? I'm like, our MVP, man, we're going to do like, who wants a chest bump? And he's like, minimum viable product. I'm like, absolutely. Even at the lowest level, we're going to kill this thing, man. Like we going for it. I was like, note to self, one more acronym. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, you said something about, CIA that, you know, they embrace the idea of bringing in a storyteller. Um, do you, I mean, I feel like we've obviously as a company seen large organizations, corporations find out that storytelling is, is the key to really getting their message across. What is TIA doing to, to, to use storytelling effectively? Well, I think at its core, we have an amazing story to tell. You know, that Andrew Carnegie 103 years ago was like hanging out with some teachers and it's like, hey, you're poor. Why are you poor? And they're like, well, like, we don't have any money. We couldn't retire. And he's like, really? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, well, here's a million bucks. Let's start a fund. And they're like, okay, cool. And here we are, you know, what, you know a Fortune you know, 100 company, um, you know, all with the intent of helping at the time teachers and, and now, you know, all of educators, um, you know be able to sustain a life. You know, if, if education is one of the most noble professions you can have, you sure as heck should be able to retire and be able to enjoy it. So having a story to tell is where it begins. Um, and then knowing what your story is, you know, having great successes and, and having, you know, the knowledge that what you're doing legitimately helps people that all people want to help, you know? Like everyone can get behind a, a you know, a college professor who retires and gets to have a beach house. Like everybody likes that, you know, <laughs> but it's also like the administrative assistant who did 40 years at the university of Michigan, who gets to like live their life or like put their own kids or grandkids through college. Like everyone, you know, who doesn't like that? 
you know, healthcare workers. You know, we're fortunate that our audience is like these good people. You know, we used to say like, you know, we're helping those who help others. And that's really true. And uh, it's very, it's, it's interesting. We have this conversation a lot. It's personal for a lot of us. You know, my, my father-in-law spent 43 years at Penn State and he loved what he did. He was a, a professor. He started the early education program at Penn State Berks. And um, he felt like TIA had his back and his family's back. And that meant something to us. And, you know, we all worked in sports. And, you know, usually your father-in-law thinks that's the greatest thing in the world. You know, oh, man, you hung out with so-and-so and you did this and you were at this game and tell me about your seats. Uh, and my father-in-law uh, was always incredibly supportive and we had a great relationship. But he loved that I worked at TIA more than anything I did in sports. Because not only did it help him and did we connect in that way, but he felt like it was a company that was good. It had intent, you know. He, he always said it was a benevolent company. And I actually, when I was interviewing for the job, he was like my subject matter expert. Um, and I speak of him often at work because that's who we're fighting for. We're fighting for Dave Bender and for people who dedicated their lives. He was 43 years at Penn State, 34 years on the local school board. I mean, this is the guy, you know, everyone can get behind him having financial security, you know. Uh, and so when you have those stories and the company believes that's who we're fighting for, um, it becomes pretty easy to identify yourselves as storytellers. That's, that's really cool. And, and in your current role as internal uh, head of internal brand experience, chief communicator, right, on the internal side, talking to different departments, how does that work? How do, how do you get activated? And I guess how active are you in going to people to make sure they're on the same page? Um, I have on my LinkedIn that I'm a professional schmoozer, and that is exactly <laughs> what I do every day. Um, so... If the business fuels the operation and, and, and brand is there to support the business, um, you know, when we're rolling things out, we're making sure everyone understands who our brand is. Um, I'm connecting primarily with our HR partners on the people team to you know, help them with their initiatives. Okay, what are we doing to help our 15,000 associates? How can we make sure the brand is a part of that conversation so it all tethers together? And at the same time, if someone's starting an initiative, they'll come to brand or mostly come to me and say, hey, can we get some help? <laughs> you know, how do we do it? I, I tie those things together. So I sit very largely in between kind of brand and the HR team. Um, sometimes as a subject matter expert in helping everyone understand the brand, sometimes identifying where uh, opportunities may be to do storytelling from a brand level. And sometimes it's just, you know, kind of running point. Like you need help with this brochure. Okay, cool. Go talk to Chris. You know, boom, and I set you up with Ken, you know. Um, and so, uh, it's neat because I believe in our brand and we are an incredible place to work. So, you know, our, our HR team is like wonderful and, and rooted in good, uh, which is valuable. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's fun because I get to talk to people um, every day, which, you know, you know me for a long time. I, I like to do and it's fun. And I work with, I work with good humans. You know, there's not <laughs> a lot of, you know, all right, let's get going today on the agenda. Like, I, I, I don't know if I've ever had a call in three and a half years like that. And it's all... I don't know, it's like there's like a personal feel. Maybe it's part of like working from home, but like I know my colleagues' kids because they roll into Zoom calls. And we have a saying, like you don't apologize for it. Like I've heard a senior, senior executive on a call, someone's kid ran on the call. So oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't say you're sorry. That's your priority. If you need to roll, roll. And it wasn't for show. There were like four people on this call. It wasn't like, I need to be a leader and, and look yeah. really good. It was like, that's who that person is. 
And I was so impressed, so impressed. And when you start looking at that, like the people you work with, you're like, okay, I'm going to fight for that person. I'm going to, you know, it's easy to get up every day and do your best because you feel like they're doing your best. They're doing their best for you too. That's awesome. Um, pretend we're new TIA employees and you are explaining the brand to us. What is that conversation? How do you give that elevator pitch to them? I would say overall understanding our business is understanding that you know, we're not a, um, we're rooted in like a nonprofit heritage. And so, you know, our goal is to return, to make enough money to return profits to those that participate in our programs. So, um, you know, we are the retirement provider for the, you know, the largest provider of retirement for higher education, nonprofit healthcare, uh, the nonprofit sector in and of itself. So understand our clients. And when we say, it's funny, we're teachers, insurance annuities, we're not just teachers, you know, we're also administrative assistants, we're lecturers, we're adjuncts, we're deans, we're heads of cardiology, we're researchers, you know, we're, we're everyone that's part of the education team. So understand them and understand, you know, the business that we're in, which is providing them comfort. Not everybody makes six-figure salaries that when they retire, they're sitting on a lump sum. The majority of our participants, you know, uh, don't necessarily find themselves in that position. So we have products that are suited for them to help them, you know, maintain their lifestyle, if not enhance it. And understand that that's who we're all about, right? It's easy to get lost in a job. But if every day you go, okay, who am I fighting for? I'm for Dave Bender. I'm fighting for someone else or other stories. Um, stay true to that and understand, you know, how we're operating. Um, and the other part of it, I think, is, is leveraging the internal opportunities that we have. We're a great place to work. We're a diverse organization. We have an incredible inclusion, diversity, and equity team. Our CSR efforts, which I know you guys have participated in the past, are, are phenomenal. And that not only helps you find that work-life harmony and balance, um, but it also allows you to do your job better. You'll understand people, you work better with them. Um, and, 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 you know, kind of embrace it. It's a neat thing to know you're doing well for people, you know? Uh, I don't know, it's kind of fun. A different type of fun than I was used to. <laughs> but it's rewarding because you see the work that actually happens. And you talked about being loyal to that brand heritage. So you have an organization that's been here for well over 100 years now. How does that brand evolve? How do you keep it exciting? What changes as you go? You're trying to reinforce it but stay true to the heritage of where it all started. That's an excellent question. I, I think it starts with leadership. Um, we just hired a new president and CEO, Tashinda Brown Duckett, who is a phenomenal uh, talent in the space. I, I, I've not met her yet. I say yet, because of course we're gonna like hang out. So, um, <laughs> but she's a, a, a visionary and a change agent and a difference maker. And so I think it starts, I think it starts there. I think it's understanding how we can continually find the needs of those that we're serving and fulfill them in new and exciting ways. The business has changed, you know, and it consistently and constantly will. The world is changing. You know, how do we um, develop a, a, a deeper client-centric model that makes sure that our digital experiences are best in class consistently? Because just when you're best in class, guess what? The world changes, you know? Um, you know, how do we make sure that, um, you know, we're helping those in the fresh ways that we don't even know they need help yet. You know, I mean, the last year and a half, the world has changed so dramatically. 
You know, the needs of those we serve have changed. You know, we serve the higher education universe. That, that sector is, is, is never going to be the same. Not that that's all bad, because change and evolution is healthy, but, you know, how do we un- understand what their needs are as a sector and as not just a retirement provider, but a partner? How do we help them and understand those things um, and, and have the knowledge and comfort to say, we're never going to just do it because it's the way we've always done it, which is like, I know we've all heard in newsrooms for a thousand years. It's like, we're going to keep changing and growing and evolving and looking for ways to, to continue to be the best that we can be for those we need to be the best for. So you just mentioned it. Life's changed in the last year and a half. Your work habits have changed. Obviously, you're yeah. working from home versus going. We're in pants today. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, pants, not sweats. I'm glad. Thank you for wearing uh, pants today. <laughs> What's that like for you? Balancing family, work from home, all of that good stuff right now. And and when do you think TIA goes back into the office? Uh, I love it. Um, mostly, and I sound like I'm advertising. Mostly because I work for a company that wants you to love it. Like my kids come off a school bus. I get to see them and talk to them. And how was your day? I know their na- teachers' names. You know, I can sometimes like listen in on their Zoom calls and hear how things are going. And you know, my, my kids are amazing. They're, they're 12 and 15. You know, they're not most likely to be like hanging out with dad and spilling the tea. You know, like. But now that I see them all the time, much more often, you know, I have no commute. I get to be more part of their lives and hang out and help them with homework more. Um, so that's been wonderful. Working from home. Uh, my parents worked from home growing up, like in the 80s and 90s, which was like crazy back then. So it's a model I'm used to. I never thought I'd like as much as I do. Um, I miss being around people. That's why I golf, you know, <laughs> got to get out. It's healthy for me, honey. It's healthy for me. Um, and so um, I miss being around people, but I like maximizing my day. Um, I, I like working in the comforts of home, feeling like, I, you know, if I need the exterminator to come out, I don't have to like drive 40 minutes home, you know, I'm there, I'm around, I'm able to do things um, and, and be supportive of my family's needs. Um, you know, my wife's incredible. She works in, in the healthcare field and being able to support her and let her, you know, pursue her dreams and her passions um, because my company provides that opportunity is, is, is wonderful. And I think we're, uh, we've been very lucky. Uh, I know a lot of people felt trapped with people they didn't like in the last year i never felt that way like i was like these are like my three favorite people and our dog yes i love the dog um in the world like i enjoyed it um and now it's just figuring out that that balance i don't struggle to unplug i know people are saying that like if i'm working from home i don't turn it off i'm pretty good i turn it off pretty good um you know i think for me is you know how do i continue to operate and feel like I'm in the moment. You know, when you're on the air, people ask, what do you miss about being in the air? There's that energy. The light sure. goes on and you're like, I'm there, right? Um, and even, it's funny, I was talking to a friend, of my, a friend of mine the other day. When you used to go to a big meeting, you know, you wake up, work out, shower, you shave, you put on like your best suit, pocket square, and you're like, you're looking good, you're feeling good, you're like in the moment. Now you're like kind of wearing the same thing every day. And like, Finding that mindset, I think, is the challenge that I know I'm confronting of like really going, okay, now I need to get into like work mode because I'm in the same room, like my guest room, where like I like 
you know, hang out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I am five steps away from my couch, like where I like watch everything on Netflix. So like it's that mindset shift, but I'm enjoying it. I like the flexibility. Um, you know, we are as a company uh, are not asking our associates to return to the office until next year. Uh, and we'll go from there. I think there's a lot of work to figure out. And But we're very lucky that the company as a whole has said, we're not doing anything until we know it's safe. We don't want you to, we know we can operate in this way. Um, so we'll make sure everybody's safe first, which is which is good. Now, something you said that resonated, and I want to go back for a minute, is, is when you made the move to Altoona, Pennsylvania, small town where we met. I was in Johnstown, which was my hometown. But why it resonated is because you said that at that point, if you didn't take that opportunity, it was something that you would regret. And I can relate to that directly when I moved to Charlotte in 2007, because I was of the same thinking. I almost got out of TV, was going to go work for a hospital system in PR. But I thought in my mind, if I don't do this now, I might never do it. And I don't have a lot of regrets, but I would regret it. How important was an inter, you could call it an intermediary step for you now, going to Altoona? What did you learn there? And why was that really important within the context of the greater journey? That's a really good question. I, I think you have good days and bad days no matter what your job is. And the bad, the good days are easy and the bad days you end up thinking, you know, that's the day I'm just going to quit. You know, what if I did this? What if I did that? You know, I'm going to go, you know, you jump online, you start looking for jobs, you know, whatever it is. I never wanted my bad days to be, I blew it. I, I knew um, Michelle and I were going to have kids early. I and mean, we were on our honeymoon saying like, let's, let's have, start a family soon. And I didn't want to reach a point. I knew I'd reach a point in my career in production where moving around a bunch, you know, or not knowing, I don't want to be a bad dad. I don't want to be that dad who's like, you know, I could have been a sportscaster if it wasn't for you, <laughs> Rugrats. Like, I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to, right. like, give it a shot. Um, and I think I can live with that, you know. Um, I miss it. I had fun. Um, there's something really magical about those two years. Uh, I mean, I've great, I mean, you know, you and I are great friends and Rob Egan, the GM of the Charlotte Knights is, is now here and we were friends from Altoona and I, I keep, I, that's where I learned to play golf. That's where I became a father. I have like the most fond memories of this two year bizarre turn in central Pennsylvania. Um, and I can look back and go, okay, I'm doing what I should be doing. And, you know, I think it's natural to question all of your moves in life. I think it's healthy to go like, if I hadn't done this, like if you would, been in the hospital system would you have met your wife would you have had your children if you had not moved to charlotte if you had pursued these other things right and, and like i think it's comforting to say okay all of these pathways in my life have led me here and i'm happy and i'm healthy so whether one was the right or the wrong way must have been okay because i'm happy and healthy i never wanted that caveat of, yeah, I'm happy and healthy, but I could be happier and healthier, you know, or I should be doing that. Like, I, I, I'm at peace. And that's a, that's, that was the fear that I had in 2004, and I'm glad that I don't do it. Now, sometimes I'll look at a sportscaster and be like, Man, you're off. <laughs> like, I should have that gig. You know, or I'll, I'll look at somebody, uh, you know, on news, and I'll be like, you know, I probably could have landed there. Right. Um, but 
I don't know. Are you better off landing in a spot where you're making $5 million a year and today show and miserable? Or are you better being happy all the time? It takes making me making less know, than five million. When people don't make that decision, I hurt for them. I know a lot of people, even growing up in a small town, they get trapped. They never leave. And some of them want to stay there, and that's fine. I totally respect that because that's what you want to do, and that's where you want to have your family. But others, I think a big percentage, want to get out, and they never take the chance. I always thought I can, I can always come back. Mm-hmm. But if I don't go, I'm probably never going to go. Yeah. And, and that hurts me, seeing those scenarios where people don't just – take the chance you know that they, they just can't get over the edge and, and do it so the funny thing is you talk about Altoona with such positive feelings whereas I look at Bangor when I was there and it was like Vietnam and so I consider it like my knob like we have the people that I knew back then and it's like we have war stories uh-huh. and like we went through you know everything going wrong and and all those kind of things mm-hmm. and like living in this you know town that I was like you know I'm never gonna live in Bangor Maine ever again in my life right. And it's 30 below and my car's frozen over and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it's funny, like how mindset, what you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, totally changes how you approach things. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that all of your memories are fond memories of Altoona, where I know there had to have been challenges and problems and small market TV is just what it is. Um, but that to me, it says a lot about you again, in that you're looking at those positives that come out of it, which is really cool. I think you have to love the journey. Yeah, right. I mean, the three of us sit here, and we've known each other during, you know, what, 15 years, Tim and I, you know, coming up nine, 10 years, and like, you know, this is, you know, here we are, married, happy, healthy, um, you know, I, this sounds bad, but like, happy and successful in our, in our careers. You, you get, And it wasn't always easy, you know? It wasn't, you know, sometimes it's, you got to appreciate the journey and the challenges and the bumps to know, hey, I, I got here, you know. Um, and I think that's the great part of life, and I think it's a good lesson for kids too. Is that you know you gotta you gotta fall down to ride that bike, you know. Nobody ever got on the bike just like zoom. Or maybe that you guys, Jared probably did. Yeah. but I don't know. think that was me. I, I don't remember those times. But <laughs> you look at those TV days. I was fortunate. So you're in Bangor, Maine, Maine stop for you early on. Altoona, Pennsylvania. I got to work in my hometown in Johnstown. Local legend. Yeah, because yeah, right. <laughs> Local celebrity. The Chili. Brad Paisley they, they had a that sign was, on the wall. That yeah. was that was about me. Uh, but Tim Rigby, who you knew, who was there yeah. forever, it was my neighbor growing up, and I had that connection to come back home, and my grandparents got to see me, and I, I'd stop and go through my grandma's driveway for the drive-through to get a sandwich on the way to shoot a game. But you know, those struggles. You could look at those as struggles, but to me, that was some of the. That was the most fun I had mm-hmm. uh, in, in many ways in all these years was, was doing stuff at, in the local TV. And, it's a local and yes, trust. At that point, there was no money to put in an annuity for many years <laughs> No TV. You know, most recently is the only time you could start doing that. Uh, but the journey uh, was, yeah. has been really cool, and I wouldn't take any, of it, any no. of it back. It's a local trust, too. It's like, you know, people, like, they're counting on you. Like, if, if you're not doing the sports highlights, they're not seeing the game, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it matters. And uh, I, don't know. I think if you respect the community, it helps a lot. I know, I know we've all heard stories of people who go to a small town and go, oh, I'm only here for three years and I don't care about these people. And it comes through. Mm-hmm. They're obnoxious and they don't care. It's like, I care. You know, I want these people's kids. This, this might be where they peak. You don't know. You know, sometimes you get the crazy athlete who becomes a superstar. Most of these people, like, you know, finishing third in Pennsylvania State relay race is like, their athletic peak, but if we make it special for them, 
That's how you build affinity, and that's how you f- build people up. I mean, maybe we could do that all a little bit more in this world. Agreed. All right, let's hit some rapid questions. Oh gosh, I'm terrified. Um, they're terrifying. very easy. Okay, so you you'll should be, be okay. No, you should yeah, be very you should be terrified. Like, uh, outside of work, what keeps you motivated and moving? Uh, my family, a hundred percent. They are my priority in life. Um, being uh, there for them, being thoughtful for them. You know, fifteen and twelve year old girls. You know, they're they're. Um, I mean, I didn't know how to talk to girls when I was fifteen or twelve, and <laughs> now I'm trying to figure it out. Um, but being there for them, being healthy for them, uh, modeling behavior for them is really important to me. Um, and being a really, really, really good husband. Like they should know how, um, you know, I, I once heard the best thing a father can ever do for his children is, is, is really love their mother. And, and they know how, what a good, relationship you know, how good like. a relationship is. Yeah. And, and we're happy and healthy. So that's, that's my number one. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, what did you discover about yourself or what just showed up one day? about yourself that you didn't know before that I didn't know before um or you didn't realize it was probably always there you just didn't you just didn't know you know what you know what popped in my head that really kind of came front and center was like how fortunate I am um I, I think the being healthy in the pandemic being in a family that I'm thrilled to have to have, um, uh, keeping my job, uh, thriving in that position. You know, I earned a new role while I was there. Um, made me feel very fortunate. Um, I, I also think, and I think what, with the racial challenges and injustices that we had last year made me not only feel fortunate, but responsible and, you know, with great, entitlement comes responsibility and and what can I do and that you know I've always you know I've always you know we've always donated and always given time and things like that but really like all right what are what are we doing and we had a lot of talks in our family about that you know like listen if we're gonna be a white family like in the suburbs like you know we can't take it for granted because not everybody is in our position and so I think what really popped in my head is what are we doing? And it's a lot of conversations with our daughters. It's a lot of listening and learning. It's a lot of reaching out to people who are like me, but don't look like me, who are probably smarter and more talented, but didn't have it for whatever reason. You know, we're at a disadvantage because of the way they looked or the way that they were raised. Um, and trying to be as, as, as woke as possible, but also modeling that behavior for my daughters to make sure that they know like this is a privilege what we have appreciate it because you see what's happening out there and it's not going to get better unless everyone starts to rally and say it's not about equality it's about equity how do we really 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 find a place where everyone feels safe i've been pulled over and was not scared that's not the experience that my friends of color have had and until they have the equitable experience that I have, I don't feel like that work is done. I think that's really what I've learned and has come forth, like really, really hit me hard during the last year. Well said. Um, where do you get your inspiration? Can't be your family this time, so somewhere else. My inspiration, I would say, huh. If I can't be my family, like, like my parents are pretty awesome. They worked at home. I saw how hard they worked. Um, I don't I like to have fun. 
you know, I know we've gotten very deep on this pod, very deep <laughs> on the podcast. Um, but I like to have a good time and like to enjoy it and try and, and try to do new things. And so I'm inspired by creativity. I'm inspired by people I look at and go, well, they're, 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 they're doing it. You know, I'm inspired by the two of yours golf swings <laughs> inspires me, you know, um, you know, people who are successful um, and, and being, I don't know, we get one life, you get one shot at this and you wake up and you, know, you wake up and you're 44 years old and you're like, oh, you know, I got, you know, where am I? Am I happy? And I'll be honest, like, sometimes what inspires me is looking at people who aren't. I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Like, how great is this life? Like, look where we are. I mean, even though it's raining today, it's still like, it's pretty awesome. And so I, I think I'm inspired by that. I'm inspired by opportunity and growth and, and trying new things and accomplishing things. You know, you got to find that, that energy. It's different. The, the, the red light doesn't, I mean, other than the Hive Life podcast, you know, the, the red light doesn't go on anymore. So like, I need something that's keeps me going. And lastly, leave us with a fun fact that most people wouldn't know about you. This can be a this can be a hobby. I, I think we're gonna we're gonna disqualify golf here, so you can't use. Well, that. everybody knows that. About so what me. else <laughs> is, there, yeah. is there? Something else unique you enjoy? You kick back. Um, I love PlayStation. Um, I found my PlayStation Two during the pandemic and <laughs> dominated Madden like '06, and then I was like, I, I got to move up, so I got a PlayStation Four. And of course, Carson Wentz was terrible in that game, as he is, like, you know, was for the Eagles last year. So, um, but discovered like my love of Rocket League and NBA 2K. Um, Good game right there. So, yeah, my brother is a video game designer. And so, we grew up playing a lot of video games. Uh, and I, I would say my fun fact is I, I love games and gaming. Like, my whole family we play a lot of games. We have competitive Rummy Cube. Uh, my daughters just kill us. It's so frustrating. Like, we're not like letting them. <laughs> like we just can't I don't know you know I, at one point I let I let my oldest pick my tiles for me I'm like you're doing something right and I still couldn't be there so I, I think that would be my unique fun fact I was in an infomercial when I was a teenager about how to use your cable box but I think most people would be like of course of course you are Siegel <laughs> that's awesome man well Andy thank you so much uh, love the perspective love your passion for uh, other people and, and just your just your mindset it's it's refreshing and I'm glad we were finally able to do this. This was awesome, and I'm so um, I'm so happy for and, and proud of you guys for all that you're doing, um, not just for your lives and your, and your business, but I think you're doing a lot for the Charlotte community and a lot for people. And I I know the way you treat your team here, but I, I'm I'm proud to be your friends and and and, and really just love what's happening here and uh, excited to be here and honored and, and and thankful for the opportunity. So thank you. Thanks, uh, buddy. Same here, man. We appreciate you. And I want to remind our audience that you can find out more episodes or listen to more episodes of The Hive Life by heading to the podcast page of our website at spiraclebuzz.com. It's under the resources tab and follow us on social media across multiple platforms at Spiracle Media. For Andy Siegel and Tim Baer, I'm Jared Latch. Thanks for listening and so long for now. You've been listening to The Hive Life brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit spiraclebuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.